I'm going to be talking about Joseph's dilemma today. Joseph had a dilemma. Um, Now, I don't know what you're like when it comes to surprises. I'm one of those people that likes surprises. I like not knowing what's going to happen next. I enjoy that. I enjoy going to work and with nothing in the diary. That those are my favourite days, um, and I love it at this time of year, especially people just drop in. Your neighbours drop in with cards. I love that. Um, drinks with old friends. Suddenly they contact you out of the blue. Checks in the post. I love that. And of course the presents. I love that. I love presents. Now I'm an adult, of course. And I don't tend to get many presents these days. I know. But I have heard a rumour on the grapevine that something has been planned that I have no idea about. And I'm quite excited about that. It may be nothing at all, but I'm excited anyway. Because I like surprises. Um, And I love it when you've got all the presents around the tree and you see your name on it. And you just have to go and give a little squeeze. There's probably only pants or socks or something like that. But it's still exciting. I love that. So, yeah, just in case you didn't know, I really like surprises. Not knowing is just such fun. There's nothing I hate worse than a week that's planned out for me. Oh, it's depressing. Anyway, I know not everybody's like me. Um, and not all surprises are welcome, you know? Like the one Joseph had on that first Christmas when he found out that his fiance Mary, was pregnant and it wasn't his. Definitely wasn't his. And to say that as a surprise is probably a bit of an understatement, more like a shock. And the way he found out didn't help either via the angel of the Lord. I mean, that didn't help. And, and I can't help feel sorry for Joseph. Because you know what happened? As soon as Mary found out by angel mail that she was going to have a baby, presumably in her excitement, the first thing she did after praying the Magnificat, which we looked at last week, was to run out of the house all the way to the next town and tell her cousin Elizabeth. Not Joseph. Poor Joseph. I mean, you'd think that she'd have told him first, but no. She told her cousin. And then when she got there, she found out another amazing bit of news. Elizabeth also had had a visit of an angel and was going to have a baby too. And so Mary decided in the circumstances that there was only one thing to do. Stay with her cousin for three months. (laughs) And I don't know why. I mean, can you see why I'm on Joseph's side here? I mean, is it any wonder that Joseph faces such a dilemma the next time he sees Mary and she's three weeks pregnant? I mean, give the man a break. Three months worth of pregnancy. And how awkward must that first conversation have been? (laughs) Hi, Mary. How have you been? Not seen you for ages. You've been away. Oh, how is Elizabeth? You've got something to tell me? What do you mean the wedding dress isn't going to fit anymore? (laughs) Hold on, let me see if I've got this right. An angel appeared looking all kind of scary, telling you that God is going to make you pregnant. Mary, you're certainly scaring me. 
I mean, what was he meant to think? Out of the blue like that. I mean, put yourself in his position. He certainly didn't believe her. And Joseph had a big dilemma to solve. What would you do? Let's just catch up with the story. We're in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break off the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you're to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So before we go any further and talk about Joseph's difficult predicament, let me just explain to you something about ancient Middle Eastern marriages. It says that Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. Now, that's not the same thing as in our culture. It was much more serious Uh, They're promised to each other, but there is also as good as married. This was the betrothal period that they were in, and this would last for about a year, during which the wife, which is what she would be called, would continue to live in her father's house under his protection to preserve her honour until the second part of the marriage was completed and the marriage was consummated. So this was Joseph's dilemma. Finding Mary pregnant. I mean, should he continue with the marriage? Continue to take her home as his wife? Because in his mind, her honour had been lost with what seemed to be another man's baby. And he was an honourable man, keen to do what was right. The only way out of the situation was to divorce her. And as the law stood, divorcing her was actually the right thing to do. And so he had it in mind to divorce her, but do it quietly because he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. Now, how he could have divorced her quietly is is a bit uncertain because just like with divorces today, documents need to be signed, witnesses secured, money sorted out, dowry returned. This would have involved the father and so on. It would have been very difficult to do it quietly. He was in a really difficult position. Because if he said that he wasn't the father by using her apparent adultery as grounds for divorcing her, then Mary would be condemned as an adulteress, the penalty for which? Execution by stoning. If, on the other hand, he lied and claimed to be the father, the reputations of them both could be brought into question, also making it difficult for Jesus, who would have to then live with the stigma of being Mary's illegitimate son. Wow. I mean, Joseph surely couldn't have realised the cosmic consequences of this decision. 
But thankfully, he decides not to rush it, but to sleep on it, which is a good habit for all of us when a a big decision has to be made, by the way. And then during the night, it says that he had a dream. So Joseph's dream. And there are many times in the Bible where God speaks to people through dreams. He still does, actually. And I think it's interesting that God had to wait for Joseph to fall asleep before he could speak to him. Anybody? I found this sometimes to be the case, especially where there are so many emotions involved or you're just my wife who doesn't sit still for very long. And it seems like that's... Anyway, she's giving me the look, so I won't say any more about that. But it seems that God can sometimes achieve more in us asleep than when we're awake. You know, just like when the surgeon puts us to sleep to spare us the pain of an operation. It's like God can do surgery on our hearts or is at least able to break through our emotions that can so often cloud our judgment when we're asleep. So we shouldn't dismiss them. We shouldn't dismiss our dreams. (coughs) And I just thought as I was preparing this that there was somebody here who has been having a recurring dream. So it's maybe over, over weeks or months there's been a recurring dream and you've kind of woken up with it. I've had that dream again. And I just want to say to you, if that person is here, come and speak to me afterwards. I'd really love to talk to you about that because I feel like God is speaking to you. He's kind of knocking on the door of your heart. So if that relates to you, do come and speak to me. So we shouldn't dismiss dreams. We should be open to dreams. We should be open to say, God, speak to me. I've got a decision to make. I'm going to sleep on it. Lord, will you please speak to me tonight? So in the dream, an angel appears to him with a message. And you think, well, why couldn't the angel have appeared to him three months earlier? I mean, he'd been in the village already talking to Mary. Couldn't he have just crossed over the courtyard, popped into Joseph and spared him a little stress? He could have just said, hi, hi Joseph, I've just been to Mary. Thought I'd drop in and let you know. As a matter of courtesy, she's pregnant. It does, it's okay, don't worry, it's God's. <laughs> don't worry. But for some reason, God doesn't tell Joseph ahead of time what's going to happen in his life. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great? God, you know everything. Why didn't you tell me this was going to happen? Why didn't you tell us? You're all knowing. You know the end from the beginning and everything in between. And you don't tell us everything. Joseph was no different. And so his faith was being tested in this moment. And I don't know why God doesn't tell Joseph until this point. So he's put through this test. A test of faith. None of us like tests. Who likes tests? Some weird people. None of us likes tests. I hate exams, don't you? Driving tests. Ofsted. I just thought I'd mention it. We have an inbuilt resistance to tests. And, 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 and the risk of failure. Just think about the consequences of Joseph failing that test. Why would you take such a risk, God? But it's the same for us, you know. We, we don't know everything that's going to happen in our lives. We face these tests. We face uncertainty. Even when it comes to the identity of who Jesus is. And this was the dilemma that Joseph had. 
I mean, who would have thought it? God in human form, a helpless baby. I've got to look after him. This story actually tests us all. Even today as we've sung about him, as we've worshipped him, who do you say I am is the question that's always beneath our worship. Who do we say he is when we worship him? Lord, you didn't tell me everything. Lord, it's not worked out as I thought it would. Lord, I'm pretty disillusioned at the moment. I'm upset. Who do you say that I am? This is a crucial question and Christmas is as good a time as any to think about this question in the face of our own dilemmas. Who was this baby? Who is Jesus now? This question is the biggest test for mankind. We all have to answer it here, either here on earth during our lifetime, good idea, or we're going to have to face him one day and say, sorry God, I didn't think about it. It's a crucial question. Who do you say that I am? Now Joseph was told the answer to his question. The angel said, he's going to, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a son. You're going to call him Jesus. He's going to save the world. There it is. The answer. That's what made the difference. That's what solved the dilemma for him. And you see, this wasn't just a dream in the night, not just the result of a bad curry he'd had the night before. This was no psychological outworking of Joseph's tortured mind. This is a God-breaking-in situation. This is a revelation from God. This is a moment of supreme clarity when God speaks. And there's nothing more wonderful. Let me just say this. There is nothing more wonderful than that moment when God breaks in and he speaks. And everything suddenly becomes clear. That moment of incredible clarity. When God speaks, there's an incredible peace. And a sense of order that comes into all the turmoil and confusion of our lives. Now, even if the thing isn't quite sorted out yet, I can face it with peace because I've heard what he said. You know, moments before this, before Joseph's head had touched the pillow, he was in complete turmoil. He was in an absolute spin. He was confused. He was a good man. But he was confused about his wife's apparent unfaithfulness and he'd almost decided that the only thing I could do The only righteous thing I can do in this situation, sadly and quietly, is to divorce my wife. And then God turns up. And that was the moment where there was an end to his dilemma. Do you need God to turn up for you? We need God to turn up for the world right now, don't we? We need his solution. We need heaven to come down. That's why we pray. That's why we call on him. We need God to come. There is no human solution to some of the things that we see around the world today. We need Jesus to come. And this is the need of every human being that has ever lived, that God steps in. We need an encounter with God. We we need him to break into our lives. We need him to hear him speak. There's nothing like it to make sense of our lives, to find peace in the world, to receive healing for our hearts and our souls. Nothing like it. 
And it's what we need to make sense of Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus is inexplicable. Ever struggle to understand God? He's pretty big. He's pretty inexplicable. Paul says this, he said that Jesus, to some people, is foolishness. Makes no logical sense. It's a rock that people stumble over, a rock that makes us fall. How is that a good description? (laughs) But that's Paul. And he wrote most of the New Testament. And he says, Jesus is inexplicable. Makes no logical sense. Is that what you need, that you want? I I just need to tap into that impossible realm where it's inexplicable and beyond my understanding. I need God to come, the God of the impossible, real God, not the one I've made up in my imagination, God of heaven and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was raised to new life. I need him to come. We need him to come. Amen? You need God to speak to you. Some of you, you've come this morning. I need God to speak to me in my life. I need him to speak into my circumstances. I need God to come. Good. That's the best place you can be in where you can't do it anymore. Some of you need to know that. He's got you in a corner for a reason. Because then you say, God help. And then he can. Well, that's what the Christmas story is about. God speaking. That's what it's about. God speaking through history. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter we've just read, you see that he's in charge of history. He wrote it. All those family names at the beginning of the chapter. That's about God's plan of people finding one another, getting married, having children that have children. It's amazing. It's how Jesus came. They traced the family line saying, look, I've been working through all of history. It's amazing. I mean, have you ever thought what would happen if your mum and dad had never met? You wouldn't be here. (laughs) And God is still speaking through history, even our own personal history. Many of us, sitting here today, can look back and trace God's interventions in our lives. The person that I met that introduced me to that person, and then that's how I met Jesus. That club that I was taken to as a child where I made my commitment, or that place that I, that camp that I went to as a young person that somebody dragged me along to. We can trace our history. That's how we got to meet him. God's fingerprints all over our lives. God speaking. God speaks through dreams. I've already mentioned this, but he still is. Listen to your dreams. Ask God to speak through them. Uh, We've always taken dreams seriously in our household. We have this habit Not so much now the kids are a bit more grown up, but we still have these moments. We say, what did you dream about last night? Oh, I've got to tell you about this dream I had. What do you think it's about? And we talk about it. Because our expectation is that God is going to meet us when we're asleep. You'll be amazed how often God speaks to us that way. Of course, we get the bizarre stuff too, and that's just hilarious. I want to challenge you as you go home tonight and you go to bed. Say, God, I need you to speak to me. Will you speak to me when I'm asleep? Good night, Lord. 
And if he doesn't, ask him again the next night. And ask him again the next night. But just make it clear to heaven, I'm open. I need you to speak to me, Lord, when I can't argue. (laughs) When I'm out. When I'm under the anaesthetic of sleep, speak to me, heal me, touch me. God also speaks through supernatural means. On this occasion, God sent an angel to speak to Joseph. And do you know there are still many angels in the world today? Speaking to people God's words. Sometimes those angels are actual people. God uses human messengers. Sometimes it's a thought breathed in our minds and we think, where did that come from? Or snatches of a conversation overheard. Have you ever experienced that? I'm just walking through the shops and I hear this phrase and oh my goodness, God just spoke to me. Or perhaps an actual angel. God uses supernatural means, many different supernatural means to speak to us. Have you forgotten that? And he also uses the Bible. Notice that even the angel used words from the Bible to speak to Joseph. Amazing. So if any angel can't quote the Bible, don't listen to him. But he quoted Isaiah. So he was obviously, you know, a pretty good angel. He knew the book of Isaiah. And those all important words, the virgin will conceive a child. Ah, okay. She's going to give birth to a son, right? And they'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, God in human form. Okay, get it. That's what Mary said. The Bible is the place, it seems, where most people seem to find that God speaks to them. Even unbelievers are coming to faith because they're reading the Bible. I've spoken to several recently. God has spoken on a whole range of issues there as well. So if you have any questions, if you have dilemmas, search the Bible. Read it. And finally, and most importantly, God speaks to us through Jesus himself, Emmanuel. God with us in verse 22 there. Everything about Jesus, his birth, his life, his death speaks to us today. So if you want to hear what God is saying, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to feel what God is like, walk with Jesus. He walked amongst us and completely identified with us as human beings. And through Jesus, we see that what God is like, he's not distant and aloof. He's not sitting there on some cloud, disinterested and far away. He's God with us. He's close to us. He's amongst us. He's interested in us. A God who wants to be involved in our lives. Have you involved him recently? Stop trying to do it on your own. You're not meant to. We're meant to be dependent disciples of Jesus. And perhaps God even brought you here today just to hear those words. You don't need to do this on your own. God's speaking today, solving our dilemmas too. And in a moment, I want to pray for you if, if I've... If, any, if you've been affected by any of the matters in this talk. <laughs> but mostly, I just feel this urgency about God breaking in, God speaking to us this Christmas time. But let's just finish off the story first, because we know that Joseph does take Mary 
as his wife. He passed the test. Yes, he wins the privilege. I mean, what a privilege of being Jesus' earthly father. Wow. I mean, it's awesome enough being a dad anyway. But dad to the son of God. Wow. So the passage reads like this in verse 24. It says that when Joseph woke up, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. We, we need to wake up. We all need to wake up to what God is saying to us. The world needs to wake up to what God is saying. He's still speaking through history. Don't, haven't we learned yet what wars do? The pain that they cause, the disasters they cause for generation after generation. The world needs to wake up feel like that's the prophetic word for today wake up (laughs) it's a short prophecy (laughs) the bible says that faith comes by hearing what god is saying so are you hearing in god's words there is incredible power and potential to change your life because of what joseph heard he took mary as his wife into his house into his family He gave them the protection of the marriage and his good name. Joseph wasn't the biological father of Jesus because he was born by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph was Jesus' legal father and Jesus bore his name in the kingly line of David. What an incredible reward and privilege for the faith that he showed. Just be faithful and trust him. Do what he tells you. And do you know there was no scandal in the village either? God took care of that too. Shortly after they gave birth in Bethlehem, another town, they had to flee to Egypt, not returning to their village until Jesus was a young child. So Mary's reputation was intact. Jesus was known as the carpenter's son in the town because Joseph was a righteous man who responded to God with faith. And you know, God has an incredible way of restoring our lives when we come to him. No matter what mess we make, coming to him is what makes the difference. He really does arrange the details of our lives when we put them in his hands and look to obey him. Some of us, you know, have made some really big mistakes in the past. Anybody? And God is not only able to forgive, but also to help us to live with the consequences of those mistakes or even change our circumstances completely. An illegitimate child, a disgrace. That was what they had to live with. I don't know what yours is, but God has a way of redeeming our lives and our situations. And there's many people here that could give testimony of that. So Joseph faced an incredible dilemma when he heard what Mary had to say. He struggled to believe her, and I think we can all understand his predicament. But then God spoke, and it changed everything. And I don't know what your predicament is, what your dilemma is, what it is that you're, is it this or is it that? I don't know which to do, but we need God to speak. And the world needs that, doesn't it? 
I have just felt increasingly the urgency of us praying and standing together and saying, God, please will you speak into this situation because I can't see a solution. God is still speaking and he's speaking through the story of Christmas when God is Emmanuel, God with us. And what's he saying to the world today? I'm with you. Really? Yeah. He really is. He's the God of history. He's the God of the nations. What is he saying to you? So I just want to pray for you just as we come to a close. And I feel like we need to pray for the world too. It seems like a really good moment to do that. But just before we pray for the world, let me just pray for you. If, you've, if this really resonates with you, if you say, Lord, I need to have a breakthrough in my circumstances, I'm going to ask you to respond this morning. I'm going to ask you just to stand up and we're going to pray for you. So some people are going to gather around you. So if you want to just stand, I know that's a cost, but you know there's something about standing saying, God, I need you to break through. I need a breakthrough in my circumstances. I'll just ask you to stand just for a moment. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, thank you for the church. Thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we get to stand together. Thank you that we get to stand with one another. Thank you, Lord, we get to model what it means to be Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for that, Lord. And we just pray, heaven come down now. In all these situations, we don't know what they are, but things shift around in workplaces and health situations in family situations right now in Jesus name we just declare the authority of Jesus over your life over your circumstances in Jesus name thank you Father